segregated ourselves, and a lot of it is the secession of the elites. Let's think about where is the kindergarten assistant going to live? Don't we want her to live in our neighborhood? Where is the person who serves us our coffee live? That when we're building a, a mixed neighborhood, we're building places that they can afford to live. Was this a plan in the beginning to get rid of the poor? What the hell was the plan? What was the reason? It don't make sense to me. It really don't make sense. There's nobody's home. There's nobody here. I don't understand it. Where do these people go? In the morning. But it's, but it's nothing new. We've been doing it for the 6,000 years that we've been building cities. <laughs> Got a story to tell you all about a neighborhood I know. A situation you might find interesting. Listen up. Exposing the truth, hidden in plain sight. Log on or tune in to g1truthradio.com. Uh, y'all know what it is. It's G1 Truth Radio. You know, you can check our podcast out iTunes, Google Play, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, YouTube. It's majestic. I'm in the building. We are here right now. It's a good day in Atlanta, but not a good day for some because a lot of brothers and sisters, they out here protesting. We out here at Turner Field, Tent City, ATL. The people involved in this project is the Housing Justice League. ATL. You can check them out on Facebook as well if you want to follow up with the movement and what they're doing. I'm out here with two good brothers that's involved in the movement, Aaron and Daniel. Hey, what's up, y'all? What's up, y'all? All right, so tell me, uh, how long y'all been camping out with the uh, whole movement right here that's going on with Ten City? Well, the first night we had it was last Saturday. I was there that night. Uh, the next night, then I missed a couple nights. But uh, it's my fifth night in a row at this point. I've camped out here. And um, I come by a few days a week, you know, just to help out, um, just to flyer and let people know about what's going on here. Uh, I think that's the way I kind of linked up with a lot of you cats as I was, you know, driving the neighborhood and somebody here with the flyer. And I really realized uh, what was going on. You know, I live in Cobb County. You never really see how things affect the community until you actually in it. So I ran exactly. into a brother yesterday, he hit me with the flyer and kind of let me know what was going on out here. So I did some research on my own on the internet and decided, you know what I'm saying, to come in and see what's really good and get that information out to the people so they understand what's going on in the community. Exactly. So just a brief overall of what's taking place right now. Why is there a need to set up a tent city near Turner Field? Yeah, well, Georgia State recently purchased the land of Turner Field. Uh, it's a bit of the surrounding area along with Carter Development. Yeah, and they started developing people that made Atlantic Station. Um, and basically, this has actually been going on since Fulton County Stadium was made in, in 1965. There used to be a thriving community out here. There's a theater, grocery store, you know, but it's an African-American community. And in 1965, they decided they wanted sports teams. So they went ahead and made a stadium before they even got a team. Um, and this, you know, displaced a lot of people. And so now you come back to present day, once they had Fulton County Stadium and went to Turner Field, Turner Field sold because the Braves moved to Cobb County. Um, banning the city and Georgia State comes in and buys the property with Carter and the local community you know, this is a, it's a red flag for them so they're, you know, they're worried about their housing and what's going to happen is these people are going to get gentrified they're not going to be able to afford to live here anymore exactly. they're going to get kicked out of their house you know, and and, uh, I think only about 20 million of that 300 million is supposed to go towards the community yeah. um, but what they want is a community benefits agreement that guarantees investment in housing uh, jobs um, and schools 
um, because, you know, like Daniel said, like this has been happening for a really long time. Um, I'm from Brooklyn, uh, so I've seen it happen in Bed-Stuy. I've seen it happen, um, you know, in East Flatbush. Uh, Williamsburg was like a lost cause. Uh, downtown Brooklyn especially, Barclays Center, is actually probably going to be a repeat of this, right? That's where the Nets play, right? Um, you wear a Nets hat too, I see. What's up, man? Brooklyn, yeah. I rep Brooklyn for the forest, but I'm in the A, so I got to rep the A. Of course, man. Um, but nah, the thing is that, like, no one is safe, like, from gentrification. Um, you know, wherever there's a profit to be made, uh, less fortunate people will get pushed out of their homes. So that's why we're here. So for a lot of those cats that don't understand, or for a lot of us in Brooklyn that don't understand, can y'all break down exactly what gentrification is and what it's doing to this community firsthand? Yeah. Uh, well, gentrification, man, is essentially um, a renovation of a community. Um, it's kind of started in the 50s and 60s um, in New York, uh, in the neighborhood that's now known as Soho, which is uh, south of Houston. And um, a lot of artists uh, used to live in these old factories. And um, what ended up happening is that these factories became like uh, hit places for artists, uh, musicians, um, you know, I would say like professional elites, uh, but people with some kind of style, I guess. I guess now we call them like hipsters. Um, but yeah, uh, what ended up happening is that builders, instead of completely tearing down these buildings, they just kind of renovated them and like kept this sort of like style, this, uh, this kind of mechanic sort industrial of uh, industrial kind of. style, which is ironic, right? Because like, you're uh, exploiting the very working class people you're trying to push out. Um, but yeah, essentially what gentrification is, man, is that more affluent people uh, move into a neighborhood, uh, businesses are built up, uh, property values go up, and people who have been living in those communities their whole lives get pushed out. And there are a lot of tactics. Uh, one of the most common tactics is that your landlord in New York, a lot of the apartments, they will not attend to any of the problems that you have. Like if you have, you know, leaky, uh, you know, leaky pipes, you know, if you even have mold and vermin, um, they will roaches, really, all roaches. That type of shit. No, yeah, yeah, man. They will, they will super rats. They no, I mean like rats, like the size of like small cats. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. And they will keep it that way uh, to force you out. Um, yeah, and you end up having a lot of younger. Hipper. I think that's something we definitely see happening yeah. in Harlem right exactly. now. Exactly. You know, oh, oh, especially yeah. Harlem. Oh, especially so. Harlem, man. Harlem is, uh, is Harlem. You know, as I said, Bed Stuy, East Flatbush, Williamsburg. Um, and it's a shame, man. It's really a shame. Um, and when you come back to Atlanta, I mean, this has been happening for these people for a while now. Um, so we're here, man, to make sure that people are aware of that and to try to get that uh, CBA deal. For a lot of people that's not from Atlanta mm -hmm. that visualize what Atlanta is to them, mm -hmm. the perception is a big party city. It's not that big. They don't really understand that there's communities here, that people live in here that... Atlanta has communities and neighborhoods. I thought that Atlanta also has any major city in the United States has the greatest amount of income inequality, a disparity of wealth, you know, from the top to the bottom. You talked about it a lot in you know, this election cycle about one percent. Atlanta is the prime example of that. It is a very elitist city. It's been that way for a long time. It's meant to be that way. The way the city's been built up, it's just you know, systemically, it's just yeah. you have these really poor areas and these really fancy areas. You yeah. got the most black millionaires of any city in the country, but you also have tons of exactly. homeless people. And, and yeah. this, is, this is mainly happening to black communities. Exactly. And we think that MLK came and, and solved everything. No, we got a lot of problems still. Oh, and people are just disguising it in different ways. And now it's systematically. And this is a black community. Yeah. And you got these rich, I mean, white folk coming in. Let's be, let's be real. I'll and give, and forcing them out. I'll give you a number, man. Actually, it's funny that we're doing this because I actually researched this last night. So um, between the late 90s and about 2010... Um, the population of um, African Americans went down from about 67% to 54%.
Um, 31,000 blacks left the city by 2010, while about 20,000 whites moved in, about 5,000, I want to say, Asian, uh, Asian Americans, and about 2,000 Hispanics. I mean, so we're talking about like a mass exodus of black people uh, leaving uh, the inner city and even leaving the suburbs, right, to go where, right? Um, so yeah, man, it's, it's, it's insane, man. So what area in Atlanta are you guys from proper? I was born and raised in Marietta, but I, I live right in the middle of downtown now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you? And I live in uh, DeKalb County. I live in Lithonia, uh, which I will say is one of the most uh, affluent uh, African-American cities in the country. Lithonia? Um, yeah, Lithonia. And uh, DeKalb County as a whole actually okay. has one of the largest percentage of wealthy African-Americans. But in my city of 1,924 people, 19% of the people live below the poverty line. Right, um, about 25% of people age 65 and older live below the poverty line. About 31% of youth live under the poverty line. In a city of 1,924 people, that's insane. So, what areas is this affecting directly? I mean, it's, there's like multiple local communities: Peoplestown, Mechanicsville. Uh, Mechanicsville. I can't remember all of them. I'll talk about yeah. That. Um, I think I, there's 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 other ones that I don't remember. Yeah. Now, now, um, Georgia State and Carter Development brought Turner Field, correct? Yeah. yeah buddy. Now, what I peep from you guys is you guys are definitely boasting like protesting community, not commodity. That's mm-hmm. that's the exactly that's the model that I'm seeing. Exactly. But from my understanding, like Georgia State brought the ballpark for like 30 million. What I am noticing now is a result of uh, Carter Development and Georgia State with Turner Field that now you got SunTrust Park being built over there. And, now, yeah. yeah, and now uh, the neighborhood is becoming like Buckhead, which I don't mind as cool as far as aesthetics is concerned. But my problem is, is that um, you're raising the price of everything. Everything is costing more now. Homes are costing more. Rent is costing more because everybody's seeing the, the landscape of the neighborhood change and everyone's trying to find a way to cash in. So as a result of that, there's so much work that's being done. And people are now um, renting out, uh, buying condos or renting these high-rise apartments that are being built there. So on one hand, they say it's really good for the community. There have been any talks in the works as far as like community leaders talking to people like Park Development yeah. or Georgia State to try to get some inclusion involved so and, and have a stake in, the, in what's going on in the community. Yeah, so they've been very evasive of having any direct like conversations. Becker at one point had a Q&A session we could go to. And a friend of mine, Esma, uh, she uh, she's actually gone pretty viral at this point. She's been in a video, couple videos, um, but uh, she uh, went to to the Q and A and ahead of time, police officer warned her because she'd been doing protests before. If you ask him a question about the CBA, we will arrest you. And she so she went in, she stood up, asked him, literally asked him, why won't you sit down and meet with the community and have a CBA? He had her arrested and dragged out of the building. You can watch this. It's on Facebook. I think it's on YouTube as well. There's over 2 million views Incredible. of her like taking her out of the room for asking a question and then they permanently suspended her from school until the next week we went into the a dean's office and, and obviously a bunch of us went in with her to protest it and they lifted it to, to a week. But still, it's, even one day is ridiculous in my opinion. So this guy is, he's not even letting us ask questions. He's refusing to sit with, down with the community um, and both of them are, are, are you know using these little like things to try to throw it off and saying how we are just like the, not myself but the people in the community are, are just money grabbers and they just want that the they 20 million cash, dollars for that pay they want mm-hmm. a cash pay which is not true at all they ha- already have a plan set with the, the Turner Field Benefits Coalition they have 
you know, what they want. And it's, it's for the community. It's for the park. It's not, there's no, not, not a single person is going to leave with cash in hand. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're making the all these, these, these remarks about things that aren't even true. And, and then Becker's saying how we, we can't sign the CBA. It has to, it, um, I, I can't do that or whatever, saying, you know, Carter has to do it or the city of Atlanta is trying to, you know, it, it, actually they're all supposed to sit down and, and sign it. But they're just doing whatever they can to, be, to avoid that. He, um, at one point, had some like live video Q and A, and of course, he didn't answer any questions about CBA. So, it, it's it's been ridiculous, and, and they are trying to hide from it. The the um the consensus that I was getting was that developers and the neighborhood leaders were working together to outline something that would advocate some kind of improvement in terms of what people in the community want to see for their community. Yeah. So you're saying that's not the case at they're, all? They haven't. They're not. They have not met with the Turner Field Benefits Coalition or a Housing Justice League, to my knowledge. Um, I mean, I I, have, I wasn't in the fight as early on as other people were, but I know that, at least since I've been around here, that there's not been any, uh, they, they've tried whatever they can to not meet, meet with I've them. heard rumors that there were talks about lowering people in the community, people that lived in the community for a long period of time, reducing their property taxes, things of that nature. I don't know how true that is. Just, just See, there are, there are residents around, around the corner you could, you could talk to. They, they know more than I do. Definitely. Some of them more involved beforehand I was, but... Okay. As I, I know, there, there hasn't been any talks with them, with the people actually in the community. There may have been community leaders. Are we talking about the community? Unquote, I mean, like me- Mechanicsville? All these, yeah, all all these local people. community people, the residents in that, they have a, a coalition, Turner Field Benefits Coalition, which, you know, they already have what they want in CBA. So the people yeah. that live in this community, how do they feel they're going to be affected by big business coming in? How does that handle them? For some people, yeah. they may feel that that's good for the community. They want to see it. Well, I mean, I, I don't personally, I'm not, I'm not a resident right here. I'm, I'm down the road, I'm, so I won't be direct, directly affected, so I can't really speak on behalf of what they feel about that matter. Gotcha, gotcha. How do you feel about that? Um, I feel that the sentiment, at least, is like, why we're out here is because these people feel like they're going to get kicked out. You know what I mean? Um, I remember uh, we were doing, uh, I had a meeting the other day, and we were doing introductions, and um, you know, people were talking about why they were involved. There's this one woman, um, her name escapes me, but she basically talked about you know, her family's, uh, her grandfather and, you know, her family, they've been kicked out of their homes, like, repeatedly, like, so many times. Miss Allison. Miss Allison, yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, she remembers, like, seeing the construction of a highway, like, right through her, you know, right through her neighborhood. So, I mean, I also am not from this community, but mm-hmm. I can't speak on behalf of them. But the sentiment is that they're tired of seeing this happen, right? Um, and that's why we're out here, right? That's why we're out here. Um, because we got to put a stop to it, right? Um, I've seen this happen in New York. I don't want to see it happen in, you know... Yeah, Money definitely. Company. Like I said, I've seen this happen in Brooklyn big time. Yeah. And um, I've seen it happen definitely in happening in Harlem. I think what the worst part in Harlem is that, you know, if there's people out there, cats, usually these brothers out there, they got small businesses and um, they're able to make a living. But when big business comes in, people that own those businesses that people are leasing from, they're all kind of like conspiring together to say, well, listen, let's not renew any of these people's leases yeah. so that um, Old Navy can come in, so that, yeah. you know, yeah. such and such can isn't come that, in. Isn't that reminiscent, though, of like a blockbusting, right? And redlining. Redlining, definitely. And all yeah. of these tactics used, right, by essentially segregationists, right, to uh, box people, box people of color in and um, pretty much remove them um, from sight. Really, man. Um and it, it's insane. It's insane that this has been happening for so long and continues to happen. Um, you know, and the only thing that's going to stop it is people power. Right? People coming together and saying enough is enough. And the students of GSU too, right? Like, I think it's amazing, right? I'm not a GSU student myself. I mm-hmm. plan to go there mm-hmm. uh, soon. But it's amazing to me that the students are coming out, right? White, black, uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, what right. have you guys been seeing in terms of, like, community activism? Have there been large groups of people getting yeah. together? Yeah, Thursday we had as like... many as, like, 
maybe 60 people, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and on, I guess yesterday, at one point, we had at least 80 people, maybe 100 people. Yeah. There, a march that happened, they ended here, and a biker group came over as well. And people bring uh, food and water, man. Oh, we have so, so much, much food and so much so, water in there. So like, you know, when I hand out flyers, people say, yo, I'll come back and I'll bring some water. And they That's come back up. and they bring some stuff. And we got all these, there's all these tents. Um, yeah. Like half, more than, uh, 75% are donated. I don't even know who they're from, but yeah, donated. We have, still given. have tents, like, unpacked. Like, they're yeah. still in the packaging. Yet to be put up. <laughs> has the mayor or any other uh, leaders, you know, not community leaders, but has the mayor or any other people, like council people in the city, you know, spoke on this or had, well, did they put their input or take on it on, on any level at Senator all? Senator Fort, Vincent Fort, um, yes. he, who's running for mayor actually, um, he's been out here. He was at, he was at the march we, on last Saturday when we marched marched against gentrification. We ended here and then we decided then and there we're going to occupy the space. Um, and then he came that night. He's been here multiple times. Um, I know. Representative Abel Mabel Thomas, she's been out here. Um, I don't think it's anybody else, but Fort has been with, he's been fighting with the Housing Justice League for a really long time. Uh, I can't speak enough about, about him. He should be our mayor. He really cares about the people. Um, he's endorsed by Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. and he's done a lot of great things. He wants to you know, decriminalize marijuana, $15 minimum wage, uh, free two-year college. Actually, I can give you a card about him if you want. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, Vincent Ford has been like amazing in this fight. Um, you know, since I've come down here, I've seen his face repeatedly at movements and demonstrations. Yeah, um, full platform right there. Yeah, man, he's uh, the people senator is what they call him. Yeah. Um, so you know, we do have higher ups. We do have uh, public figures uh, coming out here um, on behalf of this movement and um, who are representing the people. You know, we're not alone in this fight. So the overall expected outcome. What's going to come out of this for the for the community? What's CBA or, or some sort of binding agreement? Legal, yeah, legally that, binding. Legally not just binding words. agreement. Not yeah, just not just words. Legally binding. Agreement. You know, in the past they've had agreements, but they don't come verbal yeah, agreements, don't, right? Yeah. So mean. that legal binding agreement should contain like what? This is what we want done in our yeah, community. Yeah, affordable. I mean, I don't know the, all the specifics. Like I said, if you talk to the residents and people in the uh, coalition, they would know exactly. But I know it's affordable housing guaranteed, and that that twenty million dollars or whatnot for the community to decide where it goes. Mm-hmm. Amongst many other things. Gotcha. Affordable housing, jobs, and schools. That's what's up. Well, Avery and Daniel, man, definitely... uh, Aaron. Aaron. (laughs) Jesus, that's that's horrible. (laughs) It's okay. That's so bad. I I was so into it, I forgot from him. I'm going to edit that, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) It's okay. But I definitely appreciate you guys taking out the time to um, talk to me about what's going on in the community because, um, you know, a lot of people, they they don't subscribe to... Uh, terrestrial television they don't want to watch that shit everybody's tuning out oh, yeah. Yeah. but at the same time while people are tuning out of the bullshit yeah. you know you, you still got to take a bite of the lie sandwich there's a little exactly. bit of truth in the middle of it exactly. so, you gotta have a balanced diet yeah, you right? gotta have a balance so mm-hmm. you know there's people like me and there's a lot of cats that are just passionate about what they do that's trying to get out there and get that information and spread that word out so I definitely appreciate you guys taking out the time yo, to talk we to appreciate me, it, appreciate we you appreciate the platform here, yeah. no question check us out g1truthradio.com peace Uh, what's your name, sir, just for the record? Uh, Columbus Ward. That's C-O-L-U-M-B-U-S. Ward, W-A-R-D. And just for the people that don't know, what area are you from? I'm from the People's Town neighborhood myself, directly. But we out here, it's the Turner Field neighborhood that we're talking about that's being impacted by the redevelopment the Georgia State and Carter developed that's coming and want to redevelop this neighborhood with two stadiums and hotels and student houses 
and some you no know, small retail that they will have, but they uh, uh, we talking about the negative impact it's gonna have on the community, and that's why we are here at Tent City. This is our land. It was actually bought with federal dollars, and that uh, that they put in the the stadium on, and we just feel like uh, Georgia State and Carter developers should be good neighbors and work with the neighborhood and establish a community benefit agreement, uh, which will be a binding contract uh, about service and uh, preservation of low-income housing and the preservation of people who already live here, who've been a part of this community for 20-plus years, that none of those people should be forced to move out or move because of the redevelopment of this area. So can you be specific in terms of what would you like to see included with Carter Development and Georgia State that would satisfy you as a resident of the neighborhood and as well as the other people that live in the community? And it wouldn't be what satisfied me, but it would be what the neighborhood has worked two years putting together a community benefit platform, which includes quite a bit of stuff from social service program to the preservation of low-income housing, to building us on new homes, new housing in the community, grocery stores, school involvement in terms of direct service to our local elementary and high school, some uh, partnership with Georgia State to bring their teachers into the, the schools and that sort of stuff, or their faculty members, or they, uh, uh, students who are in their master program who need a placement to work, jobs, job training programs. So a lot of service like, like that we really would like to see the community have something positive. We've been promised for over 50 years from the first stadium, the Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, from then when they did the Olympic Stadium, then when they converted the Braves Stadium for uh, Turner Field, converted for the Braves Stadium, they all have made promise. None of the promise been kept over the years. And we're just trying to get a binding contract with uh, the, the power to be uh, to have some service brought back to the community. We lost over 60,000 families that have been lost because of the development of the stadium and the widening of the interstate. So these neighborhoods have been heavily impacted over the years about, you know, about the negative uh, development. So what are some of the things that Carter Development and Georgia State want to do with the community? They just want to come in and build and make money off the community. They hadn't offered anything positive for the community. So they, they will build on you know, some of the parking lots. They will refigure the uh, Turner Field Stadium. They will build a new baseball stadium. None of that stuff is for us and the people in the community. What we what we talking about, what's going to be here for the community? The student housing will not be for the community. Uh, the hotel will not be for anybody in the community. So what is they bringing to the community for the people who live here? Are, um, are developers and neighborhood leaders working together to outline something that will advocate any plan in terms of improvement, um, like parks or workforce or housing or just... Uh, I did hear something that they were trying to develop something for uh, people that lived in the community for a long period of time to do something in terms of like lowering their property tax and things of that nature. Well, I mean, it's already a law on the books. If you're 65 years of age and older, you can freeze your property tax. But anybody that's on a fixed income, which you know is a different thing, we need a law or needs provision or needs policy changes that if you're on a fixed income, that also your tax should be frozen. 
at that time. And we need, nobody in the community should be paying a more than a third of their income for a place to live in terms of their renter or their homeowner. The income should, no, uh, no, no more than a third of the income should go to a place, uh, uh, place for them to live in. But there's a lot of programs. We would like to see more green space. We would like to see green infrastructure. We would like to see, you know, like jobs. We would like to see uh, improvement in the school. We would like to see uh, all our kids end up being able to have an opportunity to maybe go to a college that in the uh, university in, in their neighborhood and stuff like that. We want all this thing, but right now, None of that been promised. None of that been guaranteed to the neighborhood. It might be a few people talking about it, but I hadn't heard Georgia State nor College Development say exactly what they're going to bring to the neighborhood. They have not made that. They have not. But let me put it like that. They refuse to sit down with the legitimate community-based organizations and groups that represent these neighborhoods. We're talking about primarily full impact the neighborhood. We're talking about the People's Town neighborhood, the Summerhill neighborhood, the Mechanicsville neighborhood, and the Pittsburgh neighborhood, which is all going to be heavily impacted about this redevelopment. Uh, what are some of the organizations that's involved in this uh, protest or movement? Well, we got, like, we had the People's Town Revitalization Corporation. We got the uh, 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 SUMAC. We got the Mechanicsville Civic Association. We got the Pittsburgh Leadership Group. We got Georgia One. We got the Housing Justice League. We got... Uh, we got, uh, you know, it's, uh, we got a close to you know, 40 organizations and groups that's a part of this uh, a movement. Um, I had heard something about uh, Councilwoman Clark Smith. Carla Smith. Yeah, Carla Smith, excuse me, excuse me, I apologize. Um, holding a community meeting for an action plan. Is that true? Has that happened already or is that in that, talks? That, that has not happened though. Somebody said that. We don't know anything about that. She have not reached out to us. I know the council people don't reach us right now. She has not reached out to us to talk about this particular plan. We have had meeting and dialogue with Councilman McCall Smith. We worked with uh, Councilman, uh, at large Councilman Michael Vaughn to create a, 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 a trust fund for the neighborhood. To uh, we also trying to work with Council uh, Member Alex Vaughn about making sure that the proceeds, some of the proceeds from the sale of this turn of fear, goes to to these impact the community in some form or fashion that some of those dollars come back to the community. Gotcha, gotcha. So this affects Mechanicsville, People's Town, what other areas do you say it affects? Yeah, sir? Mechanicsville, People's Town, uh, Summer Hill, and uh, uh, the, uh, the Pittsburgh community, and that and something in a portion of Grant Park. And this was a joint venture on, on behalf of uh, Georgia State and Carter Development. Yeah, Georgia State Carter Development, Oakwood Development is one of the group that uh, it's a it's a full that 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 development group is full people full full uh, 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 money maker uh, people who greed who make money on people that's uh, a part of that uh, development team. And the purchase amount of uh, for, for all this to take place for this venture. It was they they spent uh, thirty million dollars. On there, so it really was a backdoor steel deal that was made. That the stadium itself, you know, back in uh, when it was Olympic Stadium, it cost 170 million dollars to construct. So they got the stadium and they got all the vacant parking lots, uh, no 72 acres of land for 30 million dollars. When uh, we know it's worth more than 30 million, so they really got a steal that was, you no know, like I said, it was a backdoor steel deal that they made with the mayor. 
and that uh, and really that the the city of Atlanta ought to be ashamed of itself that they practically gave away this land and stadium that was purchased with federal dollars with the model, under the Model City Program and the Urban Renewal Program. That's where these these uh, uh, land were purchased from. But at the same time, that nothing has never happened positive in the neighborhood for over 50 years, and that we just try to make sure that this go around, that that be some benefit for the neighborhood. So how long have you been out here in Tent City now with this movement or protest? Well, we had our seven days at Tent City now, and we will be here until we establish some real dialogue and some agreement with those who are in power to uh, make sure something happens. So we will be uh, uh, continuing reaching out to uh, Mark Becker of Georgia State, Scott Taylor with uh, uh, Carter Developer. We'll be reaching out to our city council president, Caesar Mitchell, and the mayor's office and other city council people to make sure this happens and that in particular those who are running for mayor that's on the city council, uh, we expect for them to come and be a part of what we're doing and try to make sure that the community is taken care of. Uh, never too late to do the right thing. Definitely, I agree with you there, hundred um, percent. In your in your opinion, has the mayor been proactive in dealing with this issue? No, the mayor has really kind of like hit behind this issue. Same thing, we got one of our residents here, uh, Mr. Darling here, that uh, the city is actually using the inner domain power, taking a land, taking a home where they've been living for years, and want to put a poop pond in the middle of the community that uh, shouldn't be there and that and want to use the inner domain power that the city have to do that and which the whole block don't flood like they say it flood and that uh, and that's not the answer uh, uh, for the, dealing with the flooding issue because they, what's the answer to dealing with flooding is always capture the rainwater at the source so wherever the rain is, is that's all this asphalt and all that concrete on the interstate they should be catching the rainwater there and not wait till it flows down into the, the lower part the of the neighborhood. Yeah, I mean, they got the sewage line, but still, they need to build in ponds or, or, or retention tanks or whatever as the water when they first hit the ground, not wait till they get to the lower part of the neighborhood. And how long have you been living in this community? I've been a part of this community of, all of my life. I live, work, play, and worship in the People's Town community all of my life. Yeah, over 60, 60 years. years. <laughs> over 60 years, like Ms. D said. <laughs> so that would mean that you've definitely seen the evolution of this neighborhood and the evolution of Atlanta. Right, I've seen all of it. I actually got very involved when the riot took place on Capitol Avenue, which is now Hank Aaron and Armour Street, when Stoker Carmichael, when they were here fighting about injustice then, still injustice going on right now. So you would definitely say, in your opinion, this is definitely gentrification to the fullest. It's gentrification to the fullest, and people who push it for that, and it's, it's pretty much it's a shame that it's got to this, but it's basically the newer resident who has took advantage of opportunity to live in a low-income community and got tax breaks and got you no know, down payment assistance. Now is trying to force people out of the community who've been living here for years and years that's on a fixed income. Do you think that this is an attack on black people per se? It's an a, attack on poor people? It's, or? A, it's a, exactly. It's an attack on poor people. It's an attack on black people as a whole. Because most of the ones who are doing this, it's the, and also it's an attack on people, like I said, who don't have the income. It's the whites that's pushing. There's a lot of racism that's going on right now. A lot of people saying a lot of negative things about some of us. 
and they, they are the white residents of the community. Also, that those who, through those uh, second class or uh, whatever called uh, black folks who think they too good to be black, mm -hmm. and that because uh, they got a little income, and that they've been very negative about what we're trying to do in this community. They don't forget about who they are and how close they might be back to being down the same, you know, the same level that we on right now. So tell me, what is your expectation? What do you need to see change? Well, the change is going to happen. We expect that we expect them to sign an agreement with us. We're not going. We're not leaving. We're not going away. We're here to fight. We're here for the long haul. That we're going to get a community benefit agreement or contract, whatever you might want to call it. We're going to get something did for the community. We're just not going to sit back and not let it happen. So, what's the next step for you guys? What do you do now? The next step that we're going to continue, you no. Know, uh, protesting, continuing to have sit-ins and uh, uh, going to City Hall and doing what we need to do and inviting people to come down and be a part of what we're doing, expand our horizon in terms of broader support and get people to contact Carter Development, get people to contact uh, 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 Scott, uh, Scott Taylor, Mark Becker, City, you know, Kasim Reed, City Council people, and as everybody who's in the position to make a change or make something happen to work with us in the community to bring about the change and agreement that we have that we won't get food this time or won't get left out this time. Have you yourself had any one-on-one -on -one dialogue with um, any of the developers that's involved in, in uh, that have a hand in this, in this uh, gentrification process? No, I hadn't had no one-on-one -on -one, uh, dialogue with them. That, uh, uh, with them. We waiting on them. We had sent out invitation to them as a coalition to meet with us, and they had refused to meet with us. So they definitely have not been reaching out at all? No, no they had not reached out to us. We've not been, being we, had, we, had, we put an invitation out to them. We did email to them, ask to meet with them and be a part of a dialogue and try to negotiate whatever we need to try to negotiate with them to come up with uh, and look at. I will look at this, the particular Georgia State Strategic Plan and look at what's in our uh, uh, community benefit platform and how we can come to some clear, uh, uh, agreeable decision about how to move forward and look at how who can be responsible for doing that part of the agreement. It don't mean that Scott Taylor with the college developer doing all of it. It don't mean Georgia State. You got the, you got Georgia State. You got the developer, you got Oakwood, you got the city of Atlanta, you got Fulton County, you got Invest Atlanta, you got the tax allocation district. You got a lot of different tools and ammunition that they can support and make sure the resources come to the community. It's just a matter of them working together and make sure it happens. Have folks been, that's outside of the Mechanicsville, People's Town area, have they been reaching out and um, showing you guys any support in your movement? We have a lot of support from the other community that's outside our impacted community that people have been coming by, showing support. People have come by and been uh, spending time with here at Tent City, bringing supplies and uh, food and stuff to the residents that's here. So we've been getting a very broad support. We're getting students from the AU Center, students from Georgia State, students from Agnes Scott, students from Georgia Tech. So the student movement has been very good for us. And they've been coming and being a part of it because they figured that uh, you know, what happens to us can happen to them in the future. And also that uh, uh, what's going on with uh, the students at Georgia State has said they do not want their tuition dollars going toward the displacement and gentrify these neighborhoods. They've made that plain and clear.
How do you feel about the consensus that some people take? Like I've heard some people, they don't use the word gentrification, but they say that this would revitalize the community and this development would just bring a new look to the area, a new neighborhood, and that it would promote growth and bring money into the community. Well, I'm not for sure, but uh, we know what revitalized the neighborhood is. Some of us come from that whole background when nobody else, when these neighborhoods was blighted, crime infested, drug infested. We was the one that put together a redevelopment plan and put together a community development corporation to start doing housing and economic development in the neighborhood. We might not do it on the scale that, uh, that have a whole lot of money like college developers, but we were able to start revitalizing neighborhood. And that's how, like I said, some of these people, the newer residents that came in on the opportunity because our people in the community was not able to go to the bank and qualify for a loan to get a home in the community. But these other people came in because they already got money in it. So they were able to come in and take advantage of this. And that uh, we want development. We don't have a proper development as long as it's development that serves the community. Grocery stores, no dry cleaners, barbershops, no nice place to eat. You know, we don't have no problem with that. But we want the what's happened that they don't understand that what's being pushed and, and forward is that the displacement of people for development. We want to make sure that's policy and avenues and resources there so people won't get displaced. Well, I want to ask you a question. When you use that word displacement, some people don't take that word as seriously as how you're describing it. When you say d displacement, what do you mean exactly? Well, displacement uh, exactly is what's already happening right now. Uh, with, like the inner, the inner domain thing they're using to displace people. Some of those families have already been displaced by the city. city using the power to take over people's land. Also, we have now, we have code enforcement has came out and making demands on people to do sudden repairs to their homes. And people is taking out mortgage to do that. And now they're being foreclosed on because they took out the mortgage to do that. They couldn't even pay the mortgage back in the first place. Also, the insurance carrier is out in the neighborhood knocking on people's doors and saying, your insurance will be canceled at the end of the year if you don't cut the trees down, if you don't do them, paint your house up, if you don't put a new roof on. So they've been hit in different directions. And people getting letters from the... Uh, uh, the investment group you know, said, well, we'll buy your house, buy it like it is, and we pay you cash, and, and they can offer that, that nowhere in the world that these people would get, they were making them offer for you know, $80,000 a house, like they can go somewhere else in the neighborhood and buy a house for $80,000. That won't happen. And so people just being pushed and forced and in a lot of ways kind of threatened and harassed to do things that they know that not going to benefit the people in this community. Well, it, it definitely sounds, brother, like you guys have drawn a line in the sand about what you're going to have and what you're not going to have in terms of the, the, how this is going to, you know, affect your community and where you live. Exactly. We, we like I said, we here to stay. We, this land is our land. We're going to know we're going to stay here until we uh, until we get something did. So we don't want nobody you know, thinking that by no means necessary that we won't be here. We intend to stay here. We got a broad support of people that helping us. So we're going to continue being real, and we're going to let people stand with us. If we have to go to jail, whatever we got to do, we'll be here to fight it to the end. Well, I definitely appreciate you taking out the time to talk with me, brother, and God bless you. I appreciate your spirit, 
and your fortitude in trying to deal with this situation, you know what I mean? And I feel I only see good things coming out of this because, uh, you know, this is a daily struggle like everything else in the world, you know what I mean? And there has to be a payout. Yeah, and definitely. I believe that payout is making sure our voice is heard and that um, there's some action that's taking place. So I hope that you guys keep, you know, the good fight up and keep pushing that agenda. But even more so, I hope that uh, some of these uh, leaders that we have, not so much the community leaders, but these city leaders city and these leaders. guys that select themselves to speak out on behalf of the community, instead of just promoting their own agenda, they need to really come out and talk to the people and understand these people's needs and concerns, address them, and then try to find a common ground or middle ground for everyone that is going to be satisfactory for both parties involved. Because from what I understand and what I'm seeing is like, once again, we're in a situation where I don't like using the word minorities because I don't feel like black people is a minority in no way, shape, or form. Uh, no way, shape, or form. But at the same time, we're always in a position where we're constantly getting railroaded. So I hope in this particular situation with these communities that's affected, being that Atlanta itself is a black city, um, that our, our voice is heard. So again, I definitely appreciate you taking all the time to talk with me, brother. God bless. Right. Well, thank you. All right. Exposing the truth, hidden in plain sight. Log on or tune in to g1truthradio.com.